what we are starting to see in terms of the industry and the trends in, in yeah. is that you know with automation and uh, AI, a lot of hard skills can be displaced very easily. Um, but it is the soft skills that with like leadership, teamwork, communication, uh, that will keep humans um, competitive That's right, true. in the job market. Um, and when we look in the education system, we are still very much focused on the grades, mm-hmm. on the hard skills. Felix is a student entrepreneur with an aim to create a positive impact. He founded Skillio, an AI-powered digital soft skills portfolio. They empower education institutions to capture and track soft skills development of their students in school activities. He is also the Global Student Entrepreneur Award Singapore winner, along with many other accolades. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Quest Conversations and today I'm here with Felix from Skellio. Hi, hi everyone. Okay, tell them more about yourself and what you do. So I'm Felix, I'm the founder and CEO of Skillio. Um, Skillio, we are an AI-powered soft skills development platform. Um, and I think for us, we, we are at tech solution. So we, re- we work closely with schools um, um, in the region uh, to help them track soft skills of their students. Yeah, so happy to be here. Uh, excited to share a bit more about our journey. Yeah, I've always heard about you guys, but it's my first time actually meeting you in person. Uh, I've heard your name around school and uh, people have been talking about Skillio quite a fair bit. So I want to find out from you, what exactly is your founding story? How did you first identify uh, this gap in the market, uh, which is soft skills? Yeah, so I think for me, um, so the, 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 to, to have the disclaimer, right, I'm a student founder. So um, I started actually when I was 17 um, in the youth training and development space. Oh, so okay. I was doing a lot of um, coaching and facilitation work uh, with various training companies. Um, so I, I taught students um, leadership. I taught students how to, you know, entrepreneurship and so on. Um, and I think that became my calling. Uh, uh, education became my calling since then. Um, and I think for me, uh, when I actually came out from NS, I went to intern as a teacher uh, in a secondary school. And I realized just how hard is it to make a change within the system. Mm-hmm. So there was so much uh, red tapes and the bureaucracy. Yeah. Um, and I decided to say, hey, you know, can I do something or build something right, to scale up the kind of impact that I can do uh, within the education system? And I think that's where, um, because of the, my work in the youth facilitation space, uh, I was thinking, you know, with all of these different programs that the, the schools are running, how do we help students track their soft skills across these multiple activities? Uh? Um, and I think that's where it all started. So I started in 2018. Mm. Um, and um, that was, I think, my year one in NUS. Yeah. yeah and um, then slowly, I think I got um, my co-founding team together um, because of um, they we, we sort of aligned in terms of our vision. So they're all from school as well. You met them through school. Yeah, so I met my co-founder, Zihui, from um, Arts Orientation Camp. Wow! <laughs> of all places from Orientation Camp. Yeah. People go to Orientation Camp to have fun, make friends, and you meet co-founders there. That is... <laughs> wow, it's a fate. Yeah, I, I was quite lucky because we are in the same like orientation group. Yes. Right? Um, and back then, she was also doing a lot of youth facilitation work before uni started. So I think we saw that kind of alignment in terms of um, what we um, foresee in terms of the education space yes. in the future. Um, and, for, and she is doing psychology, which is also just a very nice match to what we are trying to do. Yeah. Um, and I met my CTO, Dodi, at... Um, at, when I was doing my training work with Reactor so he was one of my facilitator and we were like oh you know this he's actually what at that point in time he was actually still studying for his A-levels oh really? yeah and okay, he okay very very young <laughs> and he learned how to do and he was basically learning coding back then well, when he should be studying for A-levels <laughs> yeah so I'm like wow this guy is interesting um, so so that's why I decided to bring him on as well okay yeah. very interesting story of all places right? Yeah. okay awesome so, um, so how did you you know validate that 
the market has such demand for this soft skills upgrading? Yeah, I think I think um, there were a few factors, right? We were looking around and, and asking teachers uh, and, and a lot of students and employers as well. What is one thing that will help students to be future ready? Yeah. And I think a lot of times it boils down to the fact of can the student um, practice a skill set or can a student actually deliver the kind of work that they are supposed to, they are demanded of them in the future. Mm-hmm. And what we are starting to see in terms of the industry and the trends in, in yeah. is that, you know, with automation and uh, AI, a lot of hard skills can be displaced very easily. Um, but it is the soft skills that with like leadership, teamwork, communication, uh, that will keep humans um, competitive That's right, true. in the job market. Um, and when we look in the education system, we are still very much focused on the grades, mm-hmm. on the hard skills. Mm-hmm. And um, schools have been trying to, I guess, get students to be holistic. Um, CCAs, yes, all that, yeah. volunteering and things like that. But they don't have a way to help students track some of these skills as they're going through all these different CCAs and so yep. on. Um, I think that's where we sort of found a gap and decided to say, hey, you know, can we build something mm-hmm. um, for them? And that's exactly the next thing I want to ask you, right? Which is, you know, academias, especially in Asia, are very, like, metric-driven uh, from your GCA levels results to CCA points. You know, everything has a, a number attached to it to show, okay, this student is better than the other student. Eh? This person should get into this school instead of the other, right? Mm. So, and Sanskrit is something that, I mean, I wouldn't intuitively think as uh, metric-driven, you know? It's it's very intangible. You can't, like, put a score to, okay, you're this good at NLP, something like that, which yeah. is neuro-linguistic program. So... And, and then when children pursue all these kind of enrichment causes or CCAs, right, you, the, besides proving to the kids that, okay, these are some of the milestones that you achieve, you still have to show parents, you have to show uh, your, your teachers, your principals. So there are so many stakeholders to answer to and everybody uh, look at numbers uh, when it comes to scores in academias, right? So how does Gilio actually, actually like quantify and display all these results? Yeah. So I, I think um, when we started designing Skillio, we thought of it not as an assessment tool, yeah. um, but rather more of a, as a personal development platform, yeah. okay. right? And um, we didn't pit like a student A versus student B, how well this student A versus mm. student B, right? But we're more of looking at a student's um, past and their current self and their future self. Okay. Um, and when we actually sort of, how we actually quantify um, soft skills was actually to look at behaviors that the students have demonstrated. Mm-hmm. So let's say, you know, I'm going through my um, volunteering activity. Yeah. I write down and I, or I journal down some of my learnings that I have um, learned, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, from maybe volunteering at the old folks' home. Yeah. Um, and from all of their reflections and feedback that they receive from their teachers or from their peers, we actually pick out soft skills characteristics or behaviors in this sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we, are, we sort of believe in the idea of um, habit forming. Mm-hmm. And habit forming is the whole idea of, you know, Um, When you practice a certain behavior many, many times, Mm. it becomes something that is innate to you. Mm. Um, So we we basically, when we pick up some of these actions from their reflections and feedback, we sort of showcase to them, hey, you know, when you're actually practicing this action, you're actually displaying these soft skills. I see. So you're kind of like, 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 like sort of translating, okay, uh, uh, these are some of the activities that the student has done and these are the the skill that has been uh, honed or are in training progress, yeah. right? Okay, and that, that in a sense, is it quantified in any way that you can show parents or teachers? Like how do the teachers or parents know that, okay, my kid is improving? Yeah, so we, we, we basically use it as a, a frequency tool. Mm. So for example, if I take initiative in this project, um, and if I can showcase that I've taken initiative for the many other projects that I've done, it basically mm. shows a trend of, basically shows an uptrend in development. Mm. Um, and, and I think for us, uh, we... 
first step is to make students aware about the actions that they've taken. The second yeah. step is to show them that if you keep practicing some of these skill sets across different activities, yeah. uh, you are even able to show the growth. So right now, I would say the numbers are still like in, in terms of like a frequency counter. Kind I of see. Okay, frequency yeah. counter. One of the startups I met last week right, is a very interesting ad tech startup. So instead of quantifying how many things you got right, they actually uh, assess based on your answers and your assessment, right? These are the things that you lack. These are the mistakes that, uh, that you frequently make the most and these are then the areas that you have to repeat and repeat to improve that area. Is that something that Skillio has done or is planning to do down the road? Yeah, so I think this whole idea of adaptive learning and personalized learning is something that is very, very uh, on the uptrend, I would say, mm. right? Because I think that's where technology can sort of plug in the gap for education, right? Mm. Through ed tech. Uh, I think for us, um, how we are seeing it as more of like strengths-based and also improving um, areas of like blind spots. Yeah. Um, and for us right now, we have a very simple um, way to basically allow students to know their strengths and we sort of pinpoint them to certain actions and behaviors uh, that they can take to say, for example, improve on their strengths. Mm. Um, and for that. We also list down their blind spots and from there, how can they take action to improve their blind spots? Mm. So we do have that, um, I guess, um, feedback loop, um, but we are trying to make it more personalized uh, because right now, you know, it is like a, a very scrappy in a sense that, oh, we have some decision tree and say, hey, you know, if you're yeah. here, you know, this is what you should do, right? I think in, in the future, we are trying to make it more personalized uh, with um, AI involved as well. Awesome. And uh, of course, Skillio works with uh, clients which are largely, you know, your academic institutions, your education hubs, right? Including the likes of Anglican High, Great Academy, Junior Achievement Singapore. So for all the B2B founders out there listening to this, right? What was the process of acquiring these customers and what were some of their concerns? Yeah, so <laughs> I think there, there are so many challenges, right? Especially sure. uh, if you are a B2B founder. Um, I think the one of the biggest one is sales cycle. Right, being able to understand the, the sales cycle you know, for the industry you're in. So for us in education, the sales cycle was even longer because um, schools technically they don't have an incentive to change, That's right? Um, because if, you are, if they're government funded, you know, they just have to hit their usual KPI. Um, you know, that, that's it, right? Mm -hmm. But I think for some of the more forward-looking schools, that's where they try to see how can I change and tweak my curriculum. Mm -hmm. But in, in that kind of sense, it, the, the usually the sales cycle is something that I think all B2B founders should take note of. Um, and how does that correspond with your own cash flow, mm -hmm. right? Um, because a lot of times, even after you consign a deal, maybe four, six months, you take to negotiate a deal. Yeah. And um, you which is really long. Yeah, which is really long, right? And and once you sort of like, I guess, convert them into a paying client, you have another one month or net 30 net days 30 credit. Next yeah, month, next 60. Yeah, yeah, correct. And and that's when the money will come in, okay. right? And and hopefully they don't churn, right? Because, uh, and, and then that will sort of like continue. So in in, in, in essence, um, sales cycle and so how do you correspond it with your cash flow is actually very important. Um, I think secondly, it's also about credibility, right? Especially, you know, if you're working with um, government institutions or agencies um, and you're trying to sell them a, a SaaS solution or you're trying to sell them an enterprise solution um, a lot of times um, because as startups um, credibility is something that you know you may not have at the start especially if it's your first few clients that you're trying to acquire definitely definitely. so and, how do you mm, gain that credibility then in your early mm, days I think for us uh, it's mainly through small pilots so we instead of you know they, there was this um, what I call, like to call the Dropbox strategy mm. right um, instead of you know, one shot signing up the whole organization. Can I just look for a small department, right, of a few people 
Mm. Maybe let them try it out for free or, you know, give them something that, oh, super discounted um, pricing, right? That they can try and experience the benefit of your solution. And hopefully then they sort of, oh, spread to another team, spread to another department. And that's how I guess you, you're sort of able to um, conquer the entire organization. Mm. Um, because I, th- I think that's very important because um, um, especially when you're looking at sales cycle, um, a lot of times, big organizations don't dare to take the leap of faith to try something new uh, if they don't see that it's working. Yes, or testimonials from a very credible brand before that. Yeah. I think this is great advice for anyone who's looking to do uh, B2B services, uh, especially SaaS, or especially workforce management uh, and other uh, startups that are relevant for internal usage of a company. I think this is a really great strategy to to just go uh, like, a, like a small pilot to a certain department first. And that is probably a shorter sales cycle or even yep. a, a free pilot for them. And then after that, once it's validated enough, you get some great testimonials from the employees or the, client, the, the people who are using it then you can scale up from mm. there. That's awesome. That's really, really good advice. Okay, now I want to I want to tune the conversation to yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> something I've always wanted to ask you, right, is like what exactly is being a student founder like exactly? Because I myself have started something like uh, in say year two of business school and it was so difficult trying to handle everything it was like a madness <laughs> and eventually I didn't follow through with it during COVID because things uh, things didn't work out uh, but but for yourself how in the world are you handling especially when you started in 2018 uh, which is year one of school yeah I, I don't think there's a there's handling right I think it's more of yeah. like sacrificing yes so there's no balance right you, you know they always say like oh find a balance so make sure you have time for everything but I don't think there is um, such a thing if you're looking to do, start something yeah. um, as, as, and especially as a student founder right I think you need to question um, what's the um, what's the sacrifice that you're willing to make mm. so for myself I told myself that oh I don't need to get a, a cap 5.0 Right. Mm-hmm. I don't have to get my A pluses as long as I get my B pluses and above, I'm okay with that. Okay. Right. And then that's how I plan my time around. That's how I make my decision to say, hey, you know, I'm going to squeeze all my lessons to Monday to Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then three, four, five, I can work on scale. Uh, that's awesome. And besides uh, time commitment, right, right, as a student founder, uh, coming from a VC perspective, yeah. When we look at, like, say, the, the directors and the founders, we also look at, okay, credibility uh, and also the person's background, right? So how do you convince, like, potential investors or stakeholders, like the, the, the academic institutions, right, that uh, you are someone that you can trust? But there are also pros and cons to it, right? Like, the pros could be people would say, okay, student founders are the, the most driven, huge hunger, right? Least opportunity cost. And the cons could be, you know, maybe the lack of experience. So how do you package yourself and reach out to, say, a potential investors uh, or stakeholders? Yeah, so I think for us, um, we that's definitely um, the, the, the flip side of every um, student founder. Whether you're a founder that, you know, you live mid-career and do something, there is also pros and cons yes. to, to that decision, always, right? Always. Um, I think for us, um, we we faced a couple of challenges when we first started. Number one was basically credibility. So when we were speaking to our clients, um, you know, they were saying, are you a student project? Are you going to close down in six months and then how am I going to continue using your service and things like that? Uh, that's true. Because <laughs> the thing is, there are so many entrepreneurship modules with one-on-one projects, but, yeah. you know, most of them will end up dying. So mm. they don't want uh, a startup idea or project to just like 
poof after six correct. months, right? Yeah. Correct. And, and I think for us to then showcase to them that uh, we are serious about what we did um, was a lot of preparation, right? Mm. So um, making sure that we cover things from, from start to end um, and to show them that, you know, we are here for a long haul. So we incorporated our company. We showed them that, you know, uh, we are serious and this uh, and that we are able to follow through, you know, with some of the things that we have. Um, we haven't raised a round yet, so uh, I wouldn't comment on the part of presenting the VCs or investors. Um, but the general consensus or what I'm hearing uh, around is that, you know, usually as student founders, um, it, it, it is a little bit harder to raise money from uh, VCs or angels because at the end of the day, they are putting in money to back the idea and back the team, right? Yes, usually um, the team yourself, Yeah, right? correct. And if you are still studying, uh, you know, to them, it is a risk. Right, yes. if they can put money in Team A versus Team B, Team B being someone who's already full-time founder, Team A being yes. a student founder, to them the ROI is much better or the risk is much lesser for a team that uh, is full-time on it. So I think for us it's then juggling those kind of intricacies. I think for us right now when we're about to go to fundraise, we are we are pitching on the idea that oh we are going to graduate in six months time, yes. right? And we're using this money for you know um, then when we are graduating that, that full time uh, runway right yes. uh, and then showing them traction that oh you know even when we are studying um, we are able to get this amount of clients and I things see. like that so imagine the possibilities where all of you are doing this full time right it could scale so much bigger mm. and ultimately I think it's your own your rapport with uh, angel investors Definitely. or VCs if someone really sees the fire in you and someone really believes in you Whatever the idea is, I'm sure even if you're a part-time, full-time student, they'll still invest in you. That's great. So, and even as a young founder yourself, you have worked out a fair bit of achievements. Like my entire Google page search was filled with (laughs) all the things that you have done. Okay. And let's let's share with our audience, including um, the Singapore chapter of Global Student Entrepreneur Award organized by Entrepreneurs Organization. And that's in 2020. And you also represented Singapore in the Global Finals of Startup World Championship in Montreal. Uh, And you're also the Silver Awardee of the National Youth Entrepreneur Awards organized by Action Community for Entrepreneurship, or rather ACE. So what do all these achievements and more actually mean to you? I I think um, all of this, I feel it is something that I sort of credited back to my team, right, Mm -hmm. for where we are today. And I think in a more practical sense, right, all of this is actually to help us boost credibility. Mm. Uh, because as a student founder, that was really one of the biggest challenge that we had to overcome. Yeah. Right. And and I guess it helped a lot because, you know, we, um, for example, Ace, when we won the award, uh, we were able to, we sort of got like an interview slot on radio. Right. And when we speak to our clients, they were like, oh, you, are you guys the guys from the, from, from the radio uh, uh, sh- uh, sharing? And I was like, oh, yeah. And I think that helped us to, oh, okay, this like guy... transfer of trust in correct, some way, yeah. Correct. And, and it helped us to also basically build rapport easily with um, the clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that uh, it is like a oh, personal glory kind of thing that I'm yes. going for all of this. But in a more practical sense, it's really to help us increase the credibility and I guess... Um, branding, right, for, for people to know um, the message and the, the mission of what we are trying to do. Mm-mm. And it's especially crucial uh, when you're speaking to, 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 to big partners, right, uh, coming from a student standpoint. I think all these uh, additional ammunition to, to go out there to, for, for a pitch. Mm. And okay, so I read in another interview, right, that you mentioned adaptability is one of the key skills needed as an entrepreneur, right? So given that the virtual climate of education and training in 2020 proved quite challenging for many more traditional academia, right? Uh, how did Skillio actually adapt and, and maybe even thrive in this climate? Yeah, so I, I think um, COVID um, has been a very 
a huge disruptor of many industries, um, but especially education, right? Because education has been something that has not changed for many, many years. Um, and a lot of the practices are still dated to, you know, industrial, uh, the industrial age. Um, and I think for us, um, when, we, when COVID came, it sort of broke down a lot of the, um, I guess, barriers um, and, and um, um, assumptions that, you know, a lot of educators have. So, for example, you know, back then before COVID, when we were actually running um, our software for some of our clients, we went down to the school to onboard every student. Right, so that they can use it uh, in class. Mm-hmm. Um, and when COVID hit, we actually sort of adapted and sort of moved everything online. Mm-hmm. And we sort of repositioned to say that, you know, um, this is like a remote learning kind of um, solution yep. right? Um, that, that schools can use to track students' learning in different activities remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, that in itself um, does help us in terms of getting more traction, getting more um, um, demo calls with our clients and things like that. Um, and I think really um, being an entrepreneur, um, adaptability is something that I hold strongly to because um, there are just so many um, unknowns, right? Circumstances are always changing, <laughs> yes. especially now, right? And I, especially if you're you're in somewhat in the tech space as well, because you're AI driven, uh, you're you're tech driven as well. So and, and that landscape is just changing. Like like one week can be like a one year <laughs> in a traditional industry. So that's extremely crucial. Yeah, and I think uh, you know it, it, we I honestly say we haven't really find product market fit, right? But um, and being adaptable to signals from the market, from signals from your customers, that helped a lot in trying to make sure that. Uh, we are working our way towards product market fit as well. I see. Okay. So what are your next few steps? Or are you looking at uh, any other markets or any other in, uh, sectors that you're targeting? Yeah. So, for you? Uh, yeah, I, I think um, f- a very good question, right? I think for us, uh, we we see Singapore as a, as a base to build up from. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, we are looking at, you know, the higher ed education space in the region. Um, and especially in developed countries. So like your US, your UK. Right? Because um, that's where... You know, education system has reached a certain stagnation point mm. um, where because in the past few years, they have been always looking at hard skills, right? Yes. And the next phase of evolution in the education system is how do we help every student to be um, successful and thriving in the kind of AI and um, um, automation-led kind of um, future? Mm. Um, and I think in our hypothesis, right, is that soft skills will be the answer. Mm. Um, and I think where we want to come in is to help all these uh, different schools to move towards that kind of education. I think that makes a lot of sense because in your developing countries, perhaps, right, there's still quite a bit of a gap in achieving, uh, say, your technical knowledge, like in sciences, maths, uh, English, uh, and, and other languages, right? So so that is still top priority for most schools and students and even parents. And then once you have mastered that level, which is, say, in Singapore, where the education system has really boasted that so strongly, and every student uh, is quite well equipped with your, your basic science, math, and English skill, right? And I think soft skill is really the next step to go to really have a very holistic, uh, well-rounded skill mm. that is very employable also across all industries. Yep. And I think the skills that people learn from Skillio, right, is really plug and play into any industry. You, yep. It's not just for your engineers, your sales and all that. Definitely. And I think um, for how we, f- we foresee actually humans uh, in the workforce in the future is that you won't be really stuck to a position or a job for mm-hmm. 10 years, right? Yeah. Uh, you will be moving around. You will be maybe landing yourself in a gig job here and there. Yes. Um, and and the key skill or the transferable skills is really the soft skills, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and having hard skills or technical skills will be one mm-hmm. um, step. It will be that kind of depth. 
right? But the soft skills will be your breath, right? That allows yes. you to go and, and sort of transit across different industries. Yeah, I like the point where you mentioned also about gig, uh, gig economy, which is really all the rage right now, especially in Philippines, Vietnam, and your developing nations, uh, especially since 2020. And I think this will help people transfer skills from gig to gig. Yeah. And okay, this is off the records, right? <laughs> but you you mentioned that, okay, this will, uh, we, we, we talked about how all these soft skills will help them uh, thrive in different careers across like a, a huge breath, right? Do you see, you know, soft skills as one of the metrics where employers will start to assess more beyond your, you know, your usual one-to-one interview with managers? Yeah. Because right? now the hiring interview, uh, your hiring, uh, your hiring processes, uh, like your, your case studies, uh, your like IQ tests, uh, all that. So, so how do you see that changing? Definitely. I think um, right now, if you're seeing most employers are already trying to look beyond grades as the only way to, you know, measure ability. Yeah, like personality test. Yeah. So personality test, your, your situational judgment test when you're yeah. doing case studies, all of this, right, is with one purpose in mind, is to sort of decipher your qualities and behaviours outside of your, you know, um, grades and your academics. Yes. And we are already seeing that kind of change, you know, with Pymetrics, you know, the game-based, neuro-based um, kind of um, assessment tool. Uh, you have your different personality tests that they ask you to take like MBTI, Finder, and so on. Yes. Um, so we do see that increasingly um, HR will start to look at alternative assessments um, as a way to understand whether there's a fit between mm. um, the, the people that they are trying to bring into the, the company and their company culture. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I started observing all these as well. It's to some people's advantage for those people who are quite well around and quite experienced in their everyday lives to some people's detriment if <laughs> this completely throws them off and they, they, they stick more to their books and instead of exposing themselves to all these soft skills uh, that other people are holding as well. Okay, and my last few questions is uh, what advice do you have for young entrepreneurs? Yes. Yeah, I think to your earlier point, right? I I, want, I just wanted to add on that. Yes. Um, that you know the, the the you know it might be like detriment to some um, students or or people looking for jobs that they yeah. you know may, they may not be able to pass some of this assessment. But at the end of the day, I think the core fundamental is that yeah. soft skills can be developed and yeah. can be nurtured, right? So you shouldn't see it as oh wow, well, I'm I'm not a good leader, I'm not a good communicator, and you know you just give up and yeah. Uh, or if you feel it, it, this personally, this is a roadblock already. Yeah, I think it's not at all. Right? Definitely not. And I think it is something that um, uh, you know as a student or as a young working professional, you are able to nurture and develop along the way. Um, I think to your second question um, about um, what advice I would give to young entrepreneurs, um, I would say to just do it. Right? I mean, I say this in all my uh, interviews and uh, panels um, because I, I really believe that um, a lot of times you just need to take action um, and you wouldn't have it all figured out. I think when, when we started, um, we didn't know how to measure soft skills. We are like, okay, we should measure soft skills, right? But yes. how? <laughs> exactly, back to the questions that we were discussing just now, yes. Yeah, and, and I think for us, it was just that kind of um, conviction that we need to do, we need to solve this problem. Uh, and I think we just said, hey, let's try to do something and take that first step. And naturally, the next few steps will start to show as you take your first step. So I would say that, you know, to any aspiring entrepreneurs, um, young entrepreneurs, old entrepreneurs whatsoever, um, just take the action, take that first step and just do it. Yeah, you can't just be stuck at ideating, which is so easy. Everybody can have the same ideas, same fat, brilliant ideas, but who's going to take the bold risk, right? To make the sacrifices, to see it through. Yeah. I think like really executing and also sustaining, okay? Not just, okay, uh, incorporate company, <laughs> kickstart, okay. But I would say going there for the long run, I think that's the really, really the toughest part of uh, any entrepreneurs out there. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so where can 
can people uh, find you uh, to learn more about you? Yeah, so you can uh, hit me out on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, we are also having actually, uh, we're opening our beta access to students uh, for free. So you, you can check us out on uh, tinyurl.com slash um, skillio beta, right? Okay. Awesome. So, and then they can sign up for a beta test. Of, yeah. Okay. So they get a free access to Skillio and you can use it to build their portfolio. I see. And what can people uh, experience once they're inside uh, Skillio's platform? Yeah. So we are able to, we basically allow, you know, every student to sort of build up their um, soft skills portfolio based on the different activities that they're doing in school um, and allow them to track it over the course of their schooling journey. I see. Okay. And can they bring, you know, all these metrics and the dashboard of the things that they have been training for uh, to say to interviews or, or to present to somebody? Yeah. So the, the profile that they have on the portfolio that they have is actually public. So it is like a LinkedIn, but for your soft skills. Um, and then I think we are trying to sort of like formalize it and I talking see. to a few HR partners to see whether they can sort of recognize that as well. I see. That is so awesome. Okay. So check it out at the link, which is tinyurl.com slash skillyobeta Awesome. Okay, thank you so much, Felix, for your time today. I think we learned quite a fair bit of things on the dynamic changes of uh, soft skills demand and how that affects uh, students as well as HR processes as well. And you yourself, how you become adaptable uh, and also uh, uh, making it as a student founder and gaining that credibility also. So thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Enjoy myself. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Vanessa and thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by Quest Ventures, top venture capital fund in Asia, in collaboration with Pixel, the innovation hub of Infocom Media Development Authority. Follow us for more exciting episodes to come and stay in touch with us or find out more about Quest Ventures investment syndicates at questventures.com. Till next time.